Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. It's been worked on here and in Russia on and off for over eight years. I shall force someone to take the body away from him. Then Johnny will really hit those microphones and those cameras with blood all over him. Fighting off anyone who tries to help him. Defending America even if it means his own death. Rallying a nation of television viewers into hysteria to sweep us up into the White House with powers that will make martial law seem like anarchy. Now, this is very important. I want the nominee to be dead about two minutes after he begins his acceptance speech, depending on his reading time under pressure. You are to hit him right at the point that he finishes the phrase, nor would I ask of any fellow American in defense of his freedom that which I would not gladly give myself. My life before my liberty. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. NBA show. I'm Dave DeFore. That means this is Nerder. She wrote, joining me as always to kick off the season, my main man, Moda Keel, Seth Partnow, also in the house. Don't forget the mid-range theory out on paperback. Go and get it. What's up, guys? Opening nights. They had two opening nights, which is awesome. The NBA, so epic. Two opening nights. Are you guys excited for the start of the season? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. But Dave, I actually, I apologize. I'm going to hijack the show. I should have said this pregame. We got to give a shout out. R.I.P. Angela Lansbury. That's right. That's right. We can't talk about Murder, She Wrote without talking about Murder, She Wrote. The the show's name would not exist. the, 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 The queen has passed, so we have to at least just acknowledge that. Rest in peace. I seem to recall that this house has some connection with the Revolutionary War. I mean, didn't George Washington sleep here once? That's right. Well, coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about opening night a little bit. We're going to talk about our favorite things because that's how we start every show. And we are going to enjoy a bit of small sample size theater. But first, guys, I want to talk about my favorite thing, and it is parody. Yes, parody. This is the second season in a row where I don't know who the champ's going to be. And I love it. Last year's playoffs were epic because we didn't know who was going to come out of either conference. It was amazing. And we actually watched teams improve over the course of the playoffs, which I don't know that we often get a chance to do. So, guys, is this the most parody that we've ever seen in the league? I think so. I think you look at it, and this is the the most – at the start of the season, the, the most number of contenders I've looked at, and I go like, there are six in my mind, three in each conference that I look at, and I go like, yeah, they win a championship. I could see all of that. Then there's like two or three on each side, again, that where I'm like, all right, if they win a championship, like, okay, something's got to go right. But like, yeah, it's certainly in the realm of possibility. This is the most just contenders that we've had in the NBA for a long time. Now, it will whittle down as the season goes because that's the season. But we've never started the season, I think, with this many just teams where we're like, yeah, legitimate chance to win a championship. We're in one of those kind of rare periods, sort of the NBA has typically been fairly dynastic. 
And, you know, no disrespect intended to the Warriors who just won the title, but I think we all know the clock is ticking on if it's this year, if it's that, like, that they don't have that much longer on center stage. And so before the next kind of team arises, there is that sort of feeling of, of who's next? Uh, we kind of got that, you know, when Jordan retired the second time. Um, and I think we're kind of there again with the benefit that the play on the floor is in so much better place than it was in 1999. So many old heads right now, Seth, are ready to come after you. Everybody's coming after the NBA you. NBA was awful. The NBA was awful in the early 2000s. Um, remember, remember when the Jazz scored oh, like 54 in a I, finals I, game? I, I that totally was fun. remember this stuff. I, I will say there are more guys pushing to be in the top 10 than I can remember. I mean, it, it just feels like the level of play, and obviously as time goes on, every player in the league is just better, right? Like there are no bums anymore. They can expand. They could add two more teams. No, man, the bums, the bums that you have now are not bums, dude. The, these guys are the bums in the NBA right now would be pretty good players 20 years ago. And so, like, we call them bums because you're, yeah, you're a bum compared to Luka Doncic. But if you take this guy and put him in a time machine, you drop off Shaq Harrison in 2001. Sha- Shaq Harrison is probably a starter for, for some of these teams. So it, it's just, and I, God, I keep. I gotta find a new guy. I, my I, my apologies to Shaq Harrison. He's a good I mean, player. Damn, I, and he's I just giving strays out. He's just taking. He's probably just trying to have his <laughs> breakfast right now, and all of a sudden he's getting hit with these. But I I think this is the I think this is why there's so much parity because you know we know that having a star player, right? That's that's part one to being a successful franchise, right? Having a star player. There are more stars to go around. I mean, Shea Gilgis Alexander plays for Oklahoma City. Now, I don't know. Maybe he's not a star, but he's a really, really good player, and he's on one of the worst teams in the league, and that just didn't used to happen. You know, the Charlotte Bobcats didn't have a good player on their team, um, and so I, I think that that's, that helps with the parity. It really is an any-given-night league at this why, point. Why are you going to do Walter Herman that way? Herman. Who? Herman. Or sorry, Walter yeah, Herman. Adam Morrison sorry, aside, you know. Guys, the two of you just handing out strays left and right. Get the <laughs> names right. Of all people, me saying that. And Dave just, just kneecapping dudes that are just minding their own business. But I think, Dave, it goes to actually my favorite thing, which is we're in the golden age of the NBA. It is unbelievable. Like, we have so many damn good teams. On Wednesday night, you're looking at the lineup, and it's, you know, yeah, there are some bad games. No question. Spurs played. Definitely going to be a bad game whenever they play. But Orlando-Detroit was fun to watch and an exciting game. You know, you had you have a lot of talent across the board to go with what you're saying, and it's every team you have a reason to watch for the most part. And I think this is the league we're at now. It's The talent level is so good and so spread out on every team. There's, there's a reason to watch and catch a game, whereas – on a night where there was 14 games, I would probably say, like, yeah, I could probably skip more than half of these. Now I'm like, dude, I don't have enough screens. The Orlando-Detroit, like, you know, the real opening night kickoff, that being the game, people were kind of making fun of it, right? Like, oh, orlando Dude, that game was so much fun. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is insane. He's just going to be player gunning. Teams. Cade Cunningham... Um, continuing what what we saw from him in the second half of last year, Jalen Durant. I mean, 
Jaden every Ivey. Team, every I mean, team has guys now. I mean, Paulo Bonchero for I mean, Orlando. Carroll looked great. God, he looked so good. Franz Wagner, one of my one of my all time draft L's in ter- is is uh, yeah. No, there's so many good Jaden Ivey. So many good players on the floor. And, and, this is this is spot. why I hope this is why I hope they do find a way to get some sort of a and I know it doesn't matter but a single elimination tournament for the NBA because it is any given night one of these teams can beat you I mean again Paolo Banchero first game as a professional he looked like I don't know you look like you've been playing for a few years man like this guy was solid just making plays all over the place. The rookies are coming in at a higher level. Um, it, you know, I, I want to make fun of the tanking teams for playing bad players. But the truth is, you might hit on some of these guys. I mean, Jordan Poole would have been a perfect tank player, you know, two and a half seasons ago. And that guy just signed a huge contract because he's too good. So, um, yeah, man, the, the league is – the golden age of the he, NBA yeah, he was, is a good way to put it, Mo. I mean, the the just look at it this way. To talk about Paulo Benchero's night, 25, 5, and 5. Do you guys know the last rookie to to have done that? I believe that was LeBron James. Yes, and the rookie before that? Kareem. No, Grant Hill. Oh, But that's wow. how far back. Sorry. That's how far back we're going with 25, 5, and 5 on a rookie debut. It's so few and far between. Think about the space of time between Benchero to LeBron, the space of time between LeBron and, 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 and Grant Hill rookie year and if and, and Kareem I don't know if that's the stat set but maybe other guys have done it in between <laughs> I thought I saw Kareem I thought I saw Kareem you know figure any crazy but stat Kareem Kareem it. Yeah, there's yeah, a good yeah. chance right yeah. just throw it out there but like that's just that's him coming in his first game as a rookie and I just think across the board like we just have so much talent and more coming in like shout out to the the last few draft classes you've all you've all done a great job it's been unbelievable and and and, and the next one coming in is going to be fun so my my favorite thing, um, sorry, I had something and then I just completely okay. give me give me a I can't wait till we make a note make a note of this. I, I, <laughs> oh, I can't wait till this one's live. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, I was I like I don't know. I've been fiddling with my light over here and everything. I mean, he kind of did, um, small sample size theater to set us up for it's only one yeah. game. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So my favorite thing is, of course, the massive importance of that first game, of how we know everything we're going to know about all these teams after one game this year. Sixers are done. Uh, Nuggets are done. Um, Dallas is hopeless. Can't 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 finish games. I'm very excited to have, have the full season determined for well, us. Already. That sets us up perfectly for a little game. I like to call it's only one game, but, and we'll do that after the break. And lastly, the most important guys are the players. And instead of me talking about them, I'm going to have Clay Thompson come out and talk about them. Wow. Dub nation. Uh, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, but We love you with all of our hearts. I mean, me and Wiseman were in here a summer ago just looking at this empty arena like, man, it could use a banner. And the vision came to fruition, and now we're here. And I just want to send a special shout out to my mother. I know she's watching, she couldn't be here tonight, but I love you so much, mom. Thank you for everything, love you. 
And uh, I'm gonna hand it over to our MVP, number 30, the greatest to ever shoot it, Mr. Stephen Curry. Okay, guys, time to play America's favorite game. Seth, it's only one game, but... So uh, the fun thing about small sample size theater is you can tell a lot more about how a team is going to play, how a player is going to play, than how well they're going to do it a lot sooner. So there are some things that I did take from, you know, tongue in cheek saying I love the sample size theater. But there are some things you can take away, one of which um, was, uh, you know, there's been some players that we've been concerned that that their offenses are leaning almost too much into the one player has the ball all the time. Uh, usually the poster children for that have been Harden, Luca, and Trey Young. Two of those players, I think we kind of saw that continue. But um, Trey Young played off the ball more than he basically ever has. I mean, it's, he still has the ball a lot, but he was down about five points of per, of percentage of, of possession time uh, playing alongside DeJounte Murray. Uh, he took four catch-and-shoot threes. He took 77 all last season. Now, that doesn't mean the problem is solved or that he's going to be an off-ball threat all season, but that's a positive development. And contrasting that with sort of James Harden not playing off of Ty- Tyrese Maxey and kind of catching and holding and, and allowing Boston's defense to recover to him completely, I think that's a positive sign for the Hawks. Uh, another positive is that he and DeJounte combined for 24 assists. That's crazy. They they have two legitimate point guards that can make plays for other people and not a lot of teams have that mo no i think they they have a great chance to, to do some stuff on offense but i think my pushback on it seth is is like that's great the the catch and shoot shots like the fact that trey young's in a position to be a threat when he doesn't have the balls important but they got to play off each other and there were instances i saw in 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 preseason where it was really your turn, my turn with the ball, and I'll just go stand in the corner, which is fine for Trey to stand in the corner. But it's not fine for DeJounte Murray to stand in the corner because nobody's going to – you're going to crowd the paint. You're, you're going to let him shoot and deal with that from there. The, the What I want to see more from them is they ran it a couple of times, but like just a simple pistol action between Murray and Young, and then I will be so much more fired up about their offense and things like that. And I get it. It, it is just one game. But I think this is the it is early. It is a good sign that Young is already saying, like, all right, go take the ball. And I think that's an important step in that process, because that's what I thought he was going to do when he had Bogdanovich. I thought Bogdanovich could have been that guy. You yeah. know, so it's it's it'll be interesting to see how the offense evolves through the course of the season. Um, but after one game, you got to be encouraged. And I guess the, the Houston is- Rockets, too, by the way. Well, hey, hey, let's not I'm look. Thinking, the Houston Rockets, are, they're not good, but they are fun, and that's important. Um, but but those two guys, they can just get into the two-man game, you know, consistently. Like you said, pistol action. Even just some simple screens. You know, like Trey – Steph Curry sets back screens for everybody. Certainly, Trey Young could set a screen for DeJounte Murray. So, um, But I'm hopeful after one game. You know, it's not often that you can say Trey Young went one of nine from three and was a plus 16 in the game, right? Like that just – you can't say that very often. So, you know, it's only one game, I mean, again, but it's, it looks good. Yeah. It's divorcing ball go in from how, how did we get there. And he was 0 for 4 on the catch and shoot three attempts. But I think that, that him being in the spot to take those – is means their offense is better balanced 
if it continues all season, it'll mean their offense is better balanced and probably more resilient to playoff defenses than it would have been when it's just Trey do everything. I just made a great fucking point, so don't worry. No, no, I, I don't care about your point. I got two of them now. We got to fix Seth's internet. We got we to gotta get Seth's, Seth's internet fixed. Uh, Mo? It might be my laptop. This my laptop might be uh, well, we'll, we'll figure that out. Mo, yeah. it's only one game, but... The New Orleans Pelicans are here, Dave. Let's go. And it's not all just Zion. All those Zion pretty freaking amazing so much fun to have him back on the court but let me just put it to you this way this team's best offense is miss a shot they had 21 (laughs) offensive rebounds it was just not even close i mean it was just like hey we're gonna miss that's the plan take a shot we're gonna miss and we have some of the best offensive rebounders in the game i mean zion didn't even lead them in offensive rebounding it was a tie between Jonas valanciunas and where'd he go I had it up. Brandon Ingram. No, I was wrong. It wasn't a tie. It was just Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, Brandon Ingram had seven rebound. rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, do you want to staff, you want to staff that game? Thing. Ryan Pannone is a part of the, the Pelicans organization. He was their G League head coach for a while. Ryan Pannone has been teaching offensive rebounding strategies for like three or four years and been doing clinics. I am not shocked to see the Pelicans attacking the offensive glass like this. And again, it goes back to what we talked about from last year's playoffs. Like look at what the Warriors did. Looney and Wiggins just committed to crash into glass. We saw that already with James Wiseman. Like this is, this is the, the new NBA is crashing the offensive glass and still limiting transition. Take that doc rivers. So just like crazy, uh, like it's only one game. Zion took 17 shots in the restricted area last <laughs> night. 17. He bullied his way in. It was something, it was, yeah. it was really impressive. Like just, and it wasn't just that. It was the performance of CJ McCollum. I thought he did a great job just kind of running the offense. You know, Brandon Ingram, 10 of 17, really efficient. I was just impressed with the team itself and just how they played. I'm really, really high on this New Orleans team. Like, I'm I'm in. I'm in. Sign me up. I'm in. It has, it's not just Zion, but I just think across the board, they have so much talent. It's going to be a fun watch. You know, there are a lot of people worried about the fit with Ingram and Zion. Man, the, Zion fits in. You know, like Zion just comes in there. There are so many plays. They don't run offense for him. They don't have to. Like you can set him up with an ISO and he can make something happen. He finds ways in semi-transition or as a trailer to get the ball heading downhill. Like you don't have to run plays for him, which is what a luxury, Mo. Like, I mean, this guy just finds a way to make it work no matter what. And also happens to hustle on the glass in a way that creates these extra opportunities for your team. I mean, it's a good fit to me. I mean, it's what we talked about on the extravaganza show. That, that uh, uh, I'm going to give a stray out there to Jay King, who got super offended. <laughs> but that's what Zach and I were talking about, was Zion's going to go get his. It's not even like you have to worry about it that much. Zion's going to go get his shots just off of those opportunities alone. And it, it, you know what? My favorite thing was he had, I think, a, a, a layup bucket on Ben Simmons in transition. And just him walking back, he had the biggest smile on his face. And I was just like, yeah. We're back. 
Well, guys, uh, I think the Pelicans are a great segue to it's only one game, but the Nets are really bad. And, And if I were to call their performance lifeless, feels like it would be insulting to the dead. They just did not show up. They did not show up at all, man. Like, I don't know. Did did they know it was opening night? What what is this? So this is this is this ties back to what was actually not my favorite thing for the start of the season, but my favorite thing is feeling rested at the start of the season because we had a full off season, and Brooklyn isn't. Back from they're, it, yeah. Yet. They're still asleep. They're they're still resting. It was almost, I mean, it was almost a level of arrogance with the way they came out. Like we got this, whatever. We're just gonna run through. And it's like, yo, there was just no real enthusiasm. You know, the game started out eleven to two right off the bat, and you know, their first quarter they had nine turnovers. I mean, I I, jo- I tweeted a joke just going like, "Oh, they're on pace for thirty six. This is going to go great." Um, it, they are in a a tough uh, situation. Like they have a tough schedule. You know, their next game is is Toronto, I believe, and that's not an easy one. Um, I think you're you're in these challenging situations to start out. They better get up and get right real quick because everybody's coming for them. Nobody's going to have pity for them. They're going to gun for them. Every single team, like they have the, they have a stamp on them that's different than like you know the Warriors, right? The Warriors teams teams play up because they want to beat them. They're the champs. The Nets, it's almost like they want to pile on. You know, like it's like, well, everyone's getting their licks in on Brooklyn. I want to get some of that. And that's like a bad place to be, man, because it, at a certain point, it is going to affect your team confidence. And this is already like you already lack skill, you know, at certain positions. I think the defense is a real problem. And frankly, guys, four points, five rebounds, five assists and six personal fouls from Ben Simmons. Um, you know, Hey, it's one game, but damn, that's, that's awful. That might, is that one of the worst games of his career? I think there was a game in the playoffs. He must have. <laughs> he must have <laughs> <worse>. <laughs> um, no, it, it was the, it was the most lackluster, like only uh, uh, finished with three shot attempts, but really only one at the half. Like you're, you're. It was really just kind of a thing. And I don't feel like he has to take a ton of shots. But it just he could play like, like Zion, man. He could play like Zion for them and just find buckets. They don't have to run stuff from him no, not for even him. That. They can run through him and he will distribute other guys. But the what it really felt like was he just wasn't involved was my bigger issue. I think he needs – yeah, I think he needs more kind of more runway, more structural runway than Zion does. Zion can just, oh, I got the ball here. Let me just put my arm on you and now I'm He's the whole, it's, you know. Well, Simmons doesn't quite have that. Also, Zion has touch and feel and and just knows basketball, but also touch. Zion can get a good shot up. Ben Simmons can't. Ben Simmons doesn't have any touch around the basket. He's not a threat to score there. Like when he does make a shot at the basket that's not a dunk, uh, it feels lucky to me. So that's a big difference. This, this is so weird because earlier in his career, like like through the first couple of years of his career, 
his ability to kind of be clever with either hand kind of in in not necessarily at the rim but kind of you know in, in floater range near the rim was one of the one is one of his kind of defining skill sets and the fact that that's kind of um, I don't is it a confidence thing is it a skill I don't know it's it the fact that that's just not there right now is concerning. yeah it's like he it just nothing with his wrist it was it was I mean but it's not even just that like they all floated through this game and like listen Seth Curry's not going to fix that no no offense like whatever Joe Harris is going to fix it right or Joe Harris like I just felt like they're the the whole process to start the game was flat I felt like KD got going a little bit. And they tried to make it close at one point, and then the Pelicans just ran rough shot on them in the, in the second half. But like, was unimpressed with Kyrie. Like everything about it, like the guys who need who have the most to prove on this team, really didn't show up. KD has nothing to prove to me, you know. And I know Kyrie's a baller, but we have to see him actually ball. Simmons has to actually show us he can. And I feel like that's a uh, uh, one of those things where the two guys that had the most to sh- most approved didn't show up in this game, and it's it's one game. But man, they might need to do some soul searching already. Uh, we're gonna, we're going to be hearing trade rumors in like a week. Uh, yeah, uh, Seth, let's move on. Um, it's only one game, but freeze again. Oh, he unfroze. No, I wasn't frozen. I just. That's impressive. <laughs> Go. Uh, so <laughs> I set you up. Um, <laughs> no, it's only one game. But no, I you, I feel like you you want to you want me to say, oh, we should we be worried about the Denver Nuggets? I'm like, yeah, that was no, a, he said your AD point. Oh shit! I didn't even see that in the thing. Um, all right. Fuck! What a mess we are today. My bad. Balls, your balls get sniffed. It's like I'm missing something. Like a, like a, a part of me is. Big. Okay, you ready? I'll set you up. Ready for us? <laughs> yes. Um, it's only one. So it's only one game. Overall, the, they looked as bad as kind of we suspected they might. But Anthony Davis looks good physically, and I don't think it matters. Even if that keeps up all season, he's relatively healthy all season. He's later. He seemed a little sprier. Uh, I don't remember him being able to make – there was a player late in the first half against Golden State where he kind of you know, was fake jogging back on defense and kind of reverse pivoted and stole a cross-court pass and went in for a layup. Like that's not a – he didn't have the agility to make that play a year ago because uh, he he's a little too big, I think. Um, I actually don't think it matters. Like he's going to be great and they're going to wear him out by – January because he's going to have to do too much for him because the team is just not. Yeah, good. but he's going to average twenty seven points a game because that's the thing that actually that I, I think that he's very interested in getting twenty seven points a game. That's the only thing I can tell you from watching AD play. I mean, he's getting those shots up. He, he had twenty seven points on twenty two shots and nine free throw attempts. What I, I don't know what to do with that. That's high volume. That's it's good stats, bad team. Well, where, yeah, where, where, where are the shots right. coming from? I mean, from? I guess you don't where really have you, anywhere else to don't. give him. But man, he's been the worst shooter. Shout out to Kirk Goldsberry. He had the graphic. Been the worst shooter in the league the last couple of years. Um, I, I think maybe it's bad I mean, strategy to have the worst shoot. This is like doubling down on Russell Westbrook. He uh, had had a his his only sustained period of jump shooting success 
was in the bubble. Yep. I, I think they just have to go to him in the post, and it ha- and he has to stop trying to float around the perimeter. It's not working. Like, we can't have another year where he just shoots, like, 25% from three or whatever it's going to be, and, you know, the mid-range shot and things like that. I know he's trying to show that. Yo, you're going to have to play in the post. The face-up game, the rip-and-go, right? Like, the it was one of the first plays of the game. Got it on the post, faced up, ripped, went baseline, got going. I know I just gave Seth a small aneurysm right there, but like the no, the, uh, you had made a face. That's why. Um, the yeah. I think the ultimate thing though is, I think that's the game they need from him. That pick and roll and things like that. They need to delineate roles in a way on that team across the board. I'm gonna tell you right now, they'll lose every game they shoot 43s. I think. And and I think that's illustrative of because I think that if you if you have a team that you start with AD and LeBron, like being able to get up forty three should be a good thing because that you're going to have spacing. So I think we're doing the thing a little bit with them where we're well, you know, AD wasn't good enough, but Superman wouldn't be good enough. <laughs> Nobody's fixing <laughs> that. Yeah. Nobody's fixing that. So that's a tire yeah. fire of a roster. And no offense to anybody that's on there that happens to be listening, but. Like I, I like like I like a few of their their peripheral players. I like Austin Reeves. I think Pat Beverly can still contribute. I just it's it's like you know they're in they're three slots too high. Yeah, in the pecking order. That was my question for you. But more importantly, like I think when you're a team like this, and this is something I think, and this is your boy Darvin Ham is going to have to kind of dial back here a little bit. When you don't have shooters, you can't shoot threes. You really can't like that's unless it's a catch and shoot opportunity. They should average the fewest attempts in the league. And I get it. Teams are going to crowd the paint, all that stuff. I understand that you have to make some of those shots, but they were taking shots off the dribble. I mean, I watched the play where Patrick Beverly took a pull up three with AD and LeBron on the court. Like, yo, LeBron said after the game, we got a ton of open looks that might be by design, but like, that's the thing. That's the shot they want you to take. They can't, they will not win games. They're not going to outshoot anybody. They got to really be solid defensively and find a way to get easy buckets and transition and go. But, like, they're not going to win games shooting threes. Game one of the season, and they are desperately trying to run Matt Ryan off screens because they just need to hit some threes. And I mean just desperately trying to get him coming off screens. That's a bad sign for game one. Um, I, I mean, I think this team is bad. We probably are not going to talk about them all that much, to be honest with you, until LeBron comes close to breaking the scoring record or they make a trade. But, you know, it is kind of a bummer that AD does look really good physically. I thought he started out the, the game Tuesday night. The, the first five minutes defensively, he was making himself known. He was moving around the way that we, we expect. But, man, the other part of the game just isn't there. But he's – I mean, we saw this last year too where he – he they asked so much of him on both ends of the floor and he's not an iron man and it's it's you know whatever chance of success they have kind of goes away if they're if those two guys can't be on the court and they they just don't have the other infrastructure around them to help ensure they stay on the court yeah well uh we got some more stuff to talk about here we go uh mo it's only one game but are we worried about the Denver Nuggets yet? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is, I, I mean, listen, listen, listen. They're, okay, they were on the road. Okay, no problem. It's Utah, though. 
who's literally, I mean, like, I felt like Danny Ainge was going to start running down the sideline and pulling guys out of the game mid-game. Um, but, like, when I looked up the score at one point, just to kind of, like, watch some of the other games, that I'll catch that game maybe later or whatever. And it was already a 20-point game, but it was Utah that was up, not Denver. Like, and, it, and I was like, oh, well, maybe, like, Jokic didn't play or something. They had everybody. What the hell happened? Uh, look, man, uh, it, it, again, back to the parody thing. Any given night. I'll tell you one thing that did happen repeatedly. Colin Sexton was attacking Jokic. He was getting him in isolation. He was going downhill. There was one play where he, like, swipes his foot like a bull. You know, the young bull was at the top of the key. And he's swiping his foot and then just takes him to the basket. I think Jokic has got to be better there. I mean, he, he definitely looked tired. By the end of that game, but he's got to be better there defensively. That's the, number one is that Jokic has to find a way to, if he's going to get put in isolation, he's got to find a way to compete because there was no competition there. But the other thing is, man, Utah might just be too good to tank. They're going to have to trade these guys. Well, I think that part. I mean, they're going to be bad. They're going to have down. to trade. They're going to have to trade Lowry Markinen. Like I think he's just too good of a, he's going to be too good of a player. He's going to steal some wins for them. Colin Sexton, I mean, they're going to play him. I mean, he's there. Um, I just think that it's tough when you've got guys that have that much heart, right? Like, he is going to compete every single possession. Stop. You got away from the question. I don't give a shit about Utah. <laughs> well, I'm trying what to think about Utah Denver? because I'm just not that worried the, about Denver. What the, what the f- Denver? No, I don't care. Right. Opening night, first impressions, and this so is Jamal, dog Jamal shit Murray should come off the bench, right? Like Jamal Murray should come off the bench. That, if you're asking me to make uh, to give you uh, some sort of feedback from the first game, it is Jamal Murray. I don't think he's ready to to play. You know, like starter minutes. The Warriors brought Steph Curry off the bench coming back from injury in the playoffs. I, I think Jamal Murray could come off the bench for the first 15 or 20 games while everyone's trying to work their way back into shape and, you know, kind of get accustomed to each other again. I mean, he, he wasn't very good at all in this game. Nobody was. They got deal. their ass kicked by Utah. Nobody was yeah. good. They, they, they somehow against Utah, which I don't think we like. Who's Utah's best defender? Kelly Olynyk, Jared, Jared oh, no, Vanderbilt. Jared no, Vanderbilt's their best yeah, defender. Yeah, yeah, Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, who had um, twelve rebounds in eighteen minutes. Yeah, they they generated eight open threes with you know with good shooting and you know the best passer in the league. So that's I think that's from from a this might just be a honestly it, it, it most likely from my standpoint this is a burn the tape game for Denver. And you prefer not to start the season with the burn the tape game, but I I think on m- my guess is that this is just going to be a burn the tape. I, I, I know game it's more of a fluke, but it's just like God damn guys, twenty one turnovers. Like you're looking at this, we're yeah. talking about this team as a potential contender, like literally a team that can win the NBA Finals, and you go out there to a team that's tanking, that we all know is trying to lose, and you don't. It's not even like hey, they just played really tough and it was a gutty game. You got the doors blown off right away. Like, that's tough. And they only got up 22 threes. Utah made 16. That's your, I mean, that's your game, right? Uh, beyond everything else, that's your game. I, I, they've got to find a way to generate more threes. That was uh, but it's the Nuggets. They'll be fine. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not that worried about them. But 
This could be their worst loss of the season. I mean, hopefully for them, it's their worst loss of the season. What, are they going to lose to San Antonio or some shit? Oh, my God, that would be miserable. If they lose to another tanking team, I'm going to have real problems. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. Um. All right, guys, I, I got one more here for you, and I know this is going to come out of left field for me especially. Um, it's only one game, but the Warriors are going to go back-to-back. They just, they're too deep. They have youth that are veterans. They have championship experience. <laughs> I, I think that the Warriors, uh, they look really good Um and they were playing around the other day. Steph Curry, uh, whatever decline there's been from Steph Curry uh, over the last couple seasons is mitigated to a, a high degree by, by Jordan Poole. Um, but also just by the way those guys play. Moses Moody only played eight minutes. And he would start for maybe, you know, 10 teams in the league. This is This team is super deep. The vibe seemed okay on ring night, Mo. I know you hate ring night, but... Um, the Warriors are going back to back. I mean, they're one of the contenders. I think a lot of teams would like a word. I think they're right in the mix of things, but you know, Draymond didn't look particularly great. I thought, and granted, like this is, this is the funny thing about this game was the Warriors went about this game. Like it was a preseason game, the way they played their rotation in minutes. Like they literally just said, it's ring night. We know we're going to have guys distracted. We're not going to play guys hard. We're not going to play guys long. Um, and it, it would have been even bigger win had they actually cared. They had a ton of turnovers. They were sloppy and everything that they did and things like that. But I still think it's, it's going to take a while. I'm not sure. I'm, I, I like the young guys. I like Kaminga. I like Wiseman. I like Moody who only, like you said, got eight minutes. I like the Jermichael green pickup, but like, I still think there are a lot of good teams out in the West and, it's not exactly a measuring stick. Yeah, opponent. like this is, you know, like <laughs> this is what Denver was supposed to do to Utah, Dave. Um, you know, it's it's along those lines. But like, I think the Clippers would like a word, Dave, because I think they're a team right there. And, and and I get the caveat. Clippers haven't even won a game this season yet, Mo. What do you, you know? Um. Neither has Denver, but you're on them. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I, I just think I just think the if I had to pick the Warriors or the West. I would pick the West because it's just stacked. Just the odds of it. It's it's so many good teams. Seth, uh, what do you think about Wiseman? I, I thought I think because I think he's a pivotal piece for them. Um, you know they don't have a, a lot of size in the interior, and it was it was a concern for them, and it was a concern for us for them. Um, they of course managed somehow. Uh, it helped that when they played Boston, you know 
Robert Williams not not a huge big. They didn't have to deal with a Jokic, but I thought Wiseman looked solid, man. He he wasn't jumping, trying to block a lot of shots. I thought he stayed within himself, played his role pretty well. I think that, I mean again, it's the the level of test. This is not a not an opponent that has um, is is going to stress like his his defensive awareness necessarily. Like the like you know the the difference in physical tools between him and Kevon Looney is is pretty sizable. But Kevon Looney is is it just has such good defensive anticipation and awareness, and you see that and you know against a team that's going to run stuff. You know, not not to be pejorative to the Lakers, but the team against the team that's going to run stuff, and you have to guard, you know, more than three players on the floor at any given time. Um, I I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying I need to see it before I'm I'm. Yeah, there. Um, Looney and Wiggins in this. I, I thought that those guys look exactly like they did in the finals. Looney and Wiggins, they they whatever mojo they had working in the finals it carried right over looney was plus 30 in notice, 21 minutes like they yeah. were rolling with them did you guys notice how like when wiggins was guarding westbrook a lot of the time and he westbrook would be in like the weak side slot and wiggins would basically be standing on the elbow facing the yeah. basket like not even well westbrook's like, not cutting he's not doing anything like westbrook i mean like yeah. if you're it's it's just like normally in basketball like a guy shows you his back, time to cut. And that's not happening with yep. that stuff. And I think that's 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 just where they're at. I mean, Wiggins is going to have, I think, a, a, another unbelievable year. I think, like, the, the breakthrough through the finals, I thought he was the second-best player for the Warriors last year in the finals, and I think he's going to end up being the second or third-best player this year for them. Yeah, he's going to get all NBA defense this year, uh, I think. Uh, he, he's enough on the radar that he's a good defender that he should get votes this year. Um, truth is, this guy... He's an argument for the best three and D wing in the league um, and can do stuff off the dribble. So, you know, a little bit more valuable even than just a three and D wing. And, and like, it's just such a, it's like, it's just such a perfect illustration that, that, you know, finding the right fit and right role is so important for like, is he a better player than he was in Minnesota? possibly is he a more effective player in this situation than as like here's the ball go do something absolutely yeah became more efficient he became a better three-point shooter you know what i mean like but the defensive stuff from him the offensive rebounding you know this was always a a thing that i had with wiggins when people would bring him up i'd say well i think he's a good player but a guy with that sort of athleticism needs to be a better defender and he needs to be able to rebound and now you know this guy just does those things. I think Wiggins is great. They get, the new contract that he just got is a steal for the Warriors. That's where we're at on Andrew Wiggins. Pretty pretty impressive, man. Is that all Steph Curry or nah? No, I mean it's 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 Steph Curry. I mean, it is Steph Curry, and well, not, I don't even say just structure. Just having you know being able to have him be the number four guy on offense, and then that and be in a defensive. Uh, collective that allows him to to, to function. It's, yeah, I mean, I think that. So, is that all, Steph? No, I think that's the 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 collective of the Warriors allows him to play a game that is better fit with his skill set than be the same. I think the key word is stability. That's what the Warriors provided for him was stability. Hey, this is what we need. This is what we expect. Nothing else is changing here. See that guy, Steph Curry? He ain't going anywhere. 
Clay, I mean, he's injured and stuff, but like he's going to come back. That coach, Kerr, he's not going anywhere. Front office, stable. It's It was stability. And I think that was the key thing. And I think, you know, the, um, you, you hit on it, Seth, like just the ability, the, the difference of I got to be the savior of this franchise versus I got to be just a piece of the French franchise is massive. And I think some guys being the savior is hard as hell. Like this is a very, not a lot of guys can do what John Morant does, you know, at a young age and everything and carry a franchise and a city. And I feel like that's not what's asked of him. And I think that makes a big difference. And that stability is, is the secret to their success in developing these young guys too. You know, Jordan Poole might not, I mean, the, the G League bubble, uh, I, I want to see a doc on that because some of the guys that came out of that have just been incredible, but Jordan Poole especially. He was the worst player in the league. He was league. awful. Yeah. But they allowed this guy to fail and fail and, and supported him. And I mean, this is that stability that you're talking about. So um, yeah, Warriors back-to-back calling it now uh, after one game. I've seen all I need to see. Uh, guys, time to wrap up the show. You guys got anything else before we go? I'd say shouts to to Joe Missoula. I mean, I think it's a difficult, uh, a difficult, obviously situation for how he came into the team. And I don't know, like how much do you give the coach credit or whatever? But Boston, like they 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 ran good offense on on opening night. They didn't, you know, the last time we saw Boston's offense, it was not that. And obviously, this this current version of Philly isn't the defensive test. That those Warriors were, but still, they they, um, you know, they got big nights from Brown and Tatum, but they were big nights in the flow of things just kind of happening. Um, I don't know if naturally is the right word, but happening sensibly and logically and progressing, and the ball finding where it should go and people taking good shots, and so you know, just I guess to Joe Mazzulla for his first win and to Boston overall for you know coming out of the gate. And having, you know, actually, we're still more, pretty good. More impressive than anything else from that Boston game, uh, besides their defense, which you can go check out on the latest one mo thing, uh, was their transition offense. They turned defense into offense at a rate like they have not done in years. You know, I think they finished 24 to 2 in fast break offense. And I know, yeah, run it against the Sixers, you know, slow team and things like that and stuff like that. But it was. Force a turnover, and you saw three or four guys sprinting down the court. They were getting fast break points off of missed shots. They were running on every opportunity they had. It was a you could see the emphasis of it, and I was pretty impressed by that. I think this is an area where where Malcolm Brogdon, as long as he stays healthy, helps them. It's it's kind of odd because he's not a jet, but he is. You know, in 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 soccer, we would say his style of play is direct, like. There were times last year where you could pressure up on Boston, and especially once they traded Dennis Schroeder, they didn't have anyone who would be like, well, okay, I beat the first guy. I'm going straight at the basket as fast as I possibly can. And like that is Brogdon's – you know, that is a big part of Brogdon's game, and I think that that adds a dimension. And Derek White's kind of that guy too, right? Like, I mean, this .5 principles thing, you know, carrying over from the Spurs, where if you just have guys who at least will make a decision and move. Um, I, I think that they just have a bunch of those guys. It's, it's good for them. I don't think enough has been made of the Brockton acquisition in the sense. And I know some of it got lost in the shuffle with everything that's happened, but like not just in, as Seth would say, playing direct. It's just, yo, they had a possession where Tatum drives, the defense shifts over. He kicks it out to 
Blake Griffin on the, the wing. Griffin swings it to Brogdon in the corner, and it's another drive, right? And it's like he just attacks and things like that. It's straight line drives. It's getting to the paint, and then from there, creating. And I think it's it's just all of that stuff there. I think the elements that he's going to add, you know, the, the thing about Brogdon has always been helped, but I think what he's going to add to this team is just so deep. And coming off the bench and being able to do that, it's, it's huge. And then, you know, they're able to survive if somebody does go down because it's a long season at some point. And, you know, being able to pair Brogdon with Tatum or Brown in the second unit from time to time, it doesn't put all that pressure on those guys. It lightens the load. Like, this is just a – it was just a slam dunk pickup for them. Well, that's going to do it for this week, folks. Stick with us all year long on the Athletic NBA Show and every Friday for Nerder, she wrote. With Seth Partnow, Moda Keel, and Dave DeFore, I'm Dave DeFore. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Athletic NBA Show. So, my, my favorite thing. Yeah. Sorry, I had something, and then I just completely give me give me a make a note make a note of this. I, I oh. Me.